Hello everybody and welcome back to Chapter Tactics where we talk about tactics and strategies to help both new and veteran players alike. I am your host Magic Garbuse Fly, also known as Matt, and with me today you'll notice that we don't have our regular co-hosts in Demeki and John P. Decided to give them a little bit of a break and uh, just do a very intimate talk with this man, this myth, this legend, Skari. Uh, I'm ready. And I'm surprised this didn't come sooner. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> this this episode, we wanted to just kind of like focus a lot on uh, the nitty gritty of Jakari, yeah. where they're at now, where you came, where they came from, how it's like your journey has been playing them since you first started playing them all the way up to ninth edition current times with Custodes and Tau out. And we're just going to go over just like all this stuff, all this information, pick at your brain since you are, you know, such a, a veteran player that's been playing for such a long time. You have so much information that you could just kind of vomit onto people, right? So Yeah, it's uh, intimidating for probably any of the newer players who listen to this podcast at times when mm -hmm. we just start blasting off random jargon and you're like, I don't even understand half of these terms. But don't yeah. worry, you will get there. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, I'm looking forward to talking about it. You know, that goes all the way to before it was called Drukari and it was the Dark Eldar. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to be doing all of that stuff today. Uh, but before we get started, as always, this episode is brought to you by FrontlineGaming.org, where you can get amazing game mats for not just your 40K games, but almost any tabletop game out there. Purchase miniatures at a discount and join some of the largest 40K events in the industry. Some cool stuff that's coming out right now. BAO, that is coming up. LSO, get your tickets now. Uh, ACO, get that as well. There's so much cool stuff that's happening. LVO tickets are going to start being sold at around june as well you have cruise hammer coming up so much cool events that are happening for the 40k industry especially from flg all these events that are coming out go pick them up uh joining an flg event is like one of the coolest things that uh you can do in 40k because they host just like really really good events good tournaments it's a good time even if you're not playing competitively just come join uh have a good time play with people join the friendlies check out all the armies that are being played it's a good time so, now that that's out of the way, let's get started. We have a couple of questions that I would just want to uh, uh, throw at you. But the first one that we're going to go with is just give us a general rundown of how long you've actually been playing Drukari for. Uh, I've been playing Drukari since, I want to say, 4th edition Warhammer 40k. Um, which was, I want to say, 13, 15 years ago. It's been a long time. 15 years? Yeah, yeah, about That's that. crazy. Wow. Dude. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I started playing them shortly after the 4th edition, um, edition came out. I was playing my Black Templars because I played them forever. And then Dark Eldar was like the next project. I experimented for a while. I did like, I had some Necrons, I had Chaos, I had some mm. Tyranids. I played with a couple of different factions. But then Dark Eldar just jumped out at me and my whole game group said the dark l that were terrible so that i could never win with them so i decided so, well, why okay. not try that and prove so, everybody wrong <laughs> so it was one of those things where you're just like oh i'll show you how good i how good jakari can be so it was like almost yeah. resentment is why you chose on to yeah them. and and it's been it's been like that ever since you know i i tend to in in the terms of i like playing with off the cuff non quote unquote meta stuff a lot of the time 
and I play a lot with it to sort of like find ways to make it work instead of I just make it hard for myself. You know, it's just a very specific style of playing. Do you ever um, read that article about like magic players? There was like three different types of magic players. Oh yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. four different types. Was it? Remember that article? Yeah, yeah. Um, like there was a Johnny and the the Spike and the what? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't remember the the names yeah it's, it's funny because you you see those same verbiages still happening now like people mm-hmm. saying johnny mm-hmm. and everything like i remember reading that article and seeing somebody say a johnny um when we're talking about 40k and i'm just like i i know i know i heard that from somewhere mm-hmm. yeah so like i it completely blew my mind when i first heard about it or when i first yeah, like, so- saw it well, that is translated into 40K in a lot of ways. Like every player can sort of, that, that categorization of player lends itself to 40K quite well. And I feel that that's me. And Drukari at that time, with Dark Eldar at that time, were an army that even then was like fringe. You know, the models were considered even back then to be pretty bad <laughs> and, <laughs> and old. Yeah. Um, and. Like, you'd go into the hobby shop, and there'd be Dark Eldar stuff. Like, Cabalai like Warriors, the Witches that were in blisters at the time, because they were metal models. Um, the Raiders and the Ravagers. And they were, like, just covered in dust, because yeah. nobody ever touched them or mm-hmm. removed them from shelves. And that's uh, when I started, yeah, back then. Okay, all right. And you said that... So, th- th- they weren't even, like, the first army that you played, right? Like, you were testing out things like Necrons and other armies? Like, how 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 did that... How come you didn't gravitate towards those guys more a small so what happened was a combination of things so you know how everything lines up when you really like something's going to happen to you and sometimes you start an army or collect something because somebody gives you a model or gives you like some models they're not using or or like a book or something and it just kind of you end up going that way because you might as well since you already have some stuff yeah exactly so it was kind of like that i had I had uh, like a thousand points in Necrons. I had like a Monolith and a couple of Warriors. And I got like, you know, some Tyranid stuff. And I had like, you know, some Chaos things that I was working on. Some Orcs I even owned. And one of, uh, I played uh, in Stratford, Ontario, which we had our gaming group, the Stratford Gaming Union. Uh, It was a lot of uh, blue collar, like, you know, factory workers. It was really funny. Uh, We we, used to hang out in... Um, Bill's Garage. And we used to play like every weekend, Friday night, Saturday night, from like 10 p.m. to like 5 a.m. in the morning. Oh, and that's so much. They, oh man, like at every weekend. And they, like, they'd be chain smoking in this tiny little garage. I remember <laughs> like just always leaving, like with my eyes just like burning red, my lungs like hurting so much. Um, and one of uh, one of the players, Mike, was getting rid of a bunch of Dark Eldar stuff because he had like a bunch of Cabalite Warriors just foot, just like like sixty Cabalite Warriors that he just wasn't using, and had all the like Dark Lances and the Blasters and all the like kits that were hard to find at that time because they were like blister packs that you had to buy for it. And I ended up kind of like appropriating them because he wasn't using, so he gave them away. And then I ended up using and having like a big collection of Dark Eldar to run. And I started running like a whole bunch of random, just army lists with a bunch of troops. Yeah. But as soon as I had enough models to run full army lists, I started getting hooked in the play style. And I really enjoyed it. And then at the, back in the day, um, we had back things in called- Back in my day. <laughs> back in the day, we had things called forums um, online. 
and, oh my uh, goodness! Like Daka, <laughs> like what was it? Uh, was it Daka Daka? Yeah, yeah, Daka Daka. Those are those a variety of different ones. And so I'd spend hours and hours reading Dark Eldar Tacticus, right? <laughs> just like just pages and pages, like because back in the day there was this like thing where depending on how many points you played, you wanted to have so many Dark Lance weapons per so many points. So the key was how many dark light, like dark lances and blasters, could you physically put in per hundred points that you had? And the average was about two. You could put about two dark lances in, or maybe two point five for every hundred points in your army, and that was like the standard. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like for two thousand really points, like that. So you're saying that for two thousand points, you could have what two thousand divided by uh, one hundred? That's two hundred. So like what two hundred dark lances? Is what no, you're no, saying? no, no, by twenty, right? Twenty. So is it twenty? It'd be, it'd be about. It was about twenty to twenty-five dark lances in, oh. or blasters in like yeah. two thousand points, <laughs> and and that was like, <laughs> and if you could do that, you had a competitive dark elder list back then. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess going from there, like, how was it? Uh, you know, going from where you started at with Jakari to now, I mean, like now you're like a way, obviously now you're like a way bigger influencer in uh, just 40k in general now, you know, being Scary, everybody knows who Scary is in the 40k scene. So like, you know, uh, adding that onto the conversation as well, like how has it been going from where you started to now, basically with this army? It's been a lot of being very dog-headed <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 i want to say i want to say uh, stubborn well what happened was you know because i played i played a lot like fourth edition fifth edition sixth edition I, I went to a lot of tournaments i really started building the dark eldar and then there was a, a, a period of time between like sixth and seventh like that whole period of time where i did go to events and i played with what was considered like a terrible Dark Eldar sort of like book or like yeah. the rules mechanics, like sixth edition, unless you like did the wacky crazy, like in sixth edition, there were some mechanics where you could like get Farseers mm-hmm. to summon demons to the table. <laughs> what? Right? Yes. So. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so 40K went for like, went for weird, like, loop where you had like necrons allying with tyranids and yeah, like, the, you had that like ally system right yeah, yeah the ally yeah, the grid. was crazy you had yeah. like you had riptides <laughs> that were monster units that could make units because back in the day you could add characters to units mm-hmm. so you could add like a character to a riptide or Wait, a what? tau commander to a yeah you could add a tau <laughs> commander to a wraith knight and they have a maybe a little unit <laughs> what that's freaking insane are you kidding me so i could no, have brought no, like are... I, I could have brought yeah. something like a like a hive tyrant with a bunch of gaunts like is that like is that what you're mm-hmm. trying to say you well you could have you know hive tyrants were monsters so they uh-huh. weren't independent characters so they couldn't oh, okay. attach to units uh-huh. but like certain independent characters could attach to units and if you had a monster unit that was like tight like a like a wraith knight or a riptide you could attach an independent character to that unit and then they would get all the rules that the commander would give their units because commanders used to give instead of auras and buffs they just gave bonuses to the unit they were attached to anyway so yeah that's they're, crazy. They're, let's just say 
Warhammer 40,000 has had many ups and downs. Yeah. <laughs> Sixth nice. edition only lasted like a year and a half. Like it did not last very long because yeah. it was really crazy. Yeah. And GM 7th edition, like this was the age of giving all armies a lot of free stuff. So, you know, Space Marines had what were called battle companies, where if you took a, basically a four tactical squads, two assault squads, two devastators, like essentially like a, a battle company, like legit, like from the lore, you got all the dedicated transports for free. <laughs> and they were all OPSEC or something crazy. Like this sounds that. insane. This sounds like, this sounds yeah. like Death Watch, but just everybody, like, you know, like the, the kill teams in Death Watch where you, you just mm-hmm. kind of like mix and match stuff. It sounds like mm-hmm. that, but just for everybody. Yeah, so, and then seventh, so I really made a name for myself, I feel, mm-hmm. during that time when people started to notice the fact that I still played Dark Eldar, and I yeah. played, like, what was considered a, a crappy army, and, like, did okay with them. Like, I wasn't going to any of the big events competitively. Like, I wasn't going to Adepticon, because I was literally a workaholic who had a, like, was trying to create a, a sales business. And I literally had no life. Like I worked 80 hour weeks. Yeah. And all I did was every once in a while put like a battle report up every, every week. Right. And that's the thing. I've just put a battle report every week up for like 10 years. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's literally what I've done. And I played with like random stuff like Mandrakes. And like I still played with like Reaver Jet Bikes. And, and, and I always found that no matter how crazy the meta was, I could always play the missions and play to win the game instead of just chasing this crazy, constantly changing meta. And Mm -hmm. I said, it's a lot easier for me as a person. And it's a lot easier to try and stay sane when things change so much Mm -hmm. to keep something concrete and like as a foundation so that I have like this something to fall back on when things get so crazy. At least I have that knowledge of like affection that I can always like rely on to kind of like, push off into the crazy. Yeah, it's kind of like it's just almost like a comfort pick type of thing, right? Like you're just comfortably playing Jakar. You know the ins and outs of them. You read them all the time. You play them all the time. And that knowledge that you have of being so comfortable with this army through all these different editions and knowing, you know, uh, all the good stuff that's happening with the army and things that you can use in order to uh, uh, play the mission well is way more valuable mm-hmm than just jumping on whatever is the hottest army, right? And don't get me wrong, like, anybody who's listening out there, you know, if you enjoy meta chasing, which is something that a lot of people enjoy, they'll enjoy Uh finding out what the newest, bestest thing is, they love building it quickly, getting it painted quickly, um, or not even getting it painted, and just playing it, right? And then as soon as that's not in vogue, they either sell it, or store it, or do whatever they want, and then just do it with the next one. And that's just as valid as like what i would say is like my style which is like having a concrete control group it's in my opinion like playing drukari for so long has allowed me to to treat the dark eldar the drukari faction as sort of like that control group in a scientific experiment and i and i tell this to like coaching clients all the time when i work with them it's 40k has so many variables as a game, mm-hmm. like so many variables. Not only do you have to roll dice to see what happens, right? But you're playing a different mission, you're picking secondaries, and then the variables include your mood, right? They yeah. include your opponent and how they interact. 
what their list is, what warlord traits, what leaders, what uh, relics they took, what combination of units, what the terrain looks like on the table, right? Uh, who yeah. goes first, who goes second, who deployed first. There's so many variables. But one of the only ways that you can get good at the game is by keeping something like a list or a faction consistent over time. Because then over time, if you keep one thing consistent, if one thing could be consistent, then you can learn how that adapts to the variables opposed yeah. onto it, right? Yeah. And, uh, and then you just get better at predicting what's going to happen, right? And therefore, you just get better at it. Yeah. It's it's definitely uh like I feel that on another level with all the armies that I play you know like with Tyranids when we were uh, starting off in like eighth edition you know um, I know that that's not like as veteran as what uh, you're saying since you know fourth edition but coming from somewhere where it's like eighth edition uh, with Tyranids mm -hmm. which weren't in a very good spot. Uh, but it was the only army that I had, and I loved them so much. I kept playing them over and over again. And then it felt like, you know, even when I was fighting against ninth edition armies, when those codexes started coming out, I always felt like I had some type of option to still play the mission correctly and still uh, pull out wins, even though, you know, sometimes you'll have to use more of your brain power, right, mm -hmm. compared to, like, another army. But yeah. you have that, what you were saying, like, that constant data that you can always use. Yeah, it's like data points, right? And, you know, it's like putting everything into a spreadsheet over 20 years mm -hmm. and going, okay, you know, every time I take this relic or this world trade or this sort of mechanic, and you just get a better feel for it. You become a faction expert, right? And that's, yeah. and once you get to that point, it, it's easier for you to adapt with the times. And you might be playing with like, you know, outdated rule mechanics or outdated stratagems, and you You're might be seeing all this new stuff. Right. You know, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. you know exactly how that feels because mm -hmm. you have had to do it. And I'm pretty sure a lot of folks who are listening, you know, you've done that as well. Like you're playing, you love this one faction and, and you really enjoy how it plays. But then you see like the current state of Tau custodies. Right. And, you know, and the thing is, a lot of folks might not even play that anytime. They might not even face it in their local meta. Right? They might not have any players that go to their like house and bring nine broadsides or yeah. whatever because they wouldn't be invited back to their house. Right. So it's <laughs> it's <laughs> you know, it's 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 more about the, the 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 general like mentality out there when you look at the meta and go, Ooh, that's scary. You know, and and it's always good to know your own faction because then you can go, Okay, what do I have in my book, even though it's old and the mechanics are a little wonky and I don't have as many stratagems. What kind of things or tools do I have that would give me a chance? Like I still have to play really well. It's not going to be easy, but I'm going to try my best, right? To like yeah. make something work. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So um, moving on from there, because I, I, we could talk about this for like such a long time because it's just like a fascinating conversation just to have, right? Uh, but mm -hmm. moving on from there, um, the way that, Drakari is right now, you know, like the ninth edition Drakari book was extremely polarizing, you know, uh, it had one of the highest win rates that we've ever seen in 40k history in like recent years, you know, so mm -hmm. how was it dealing with that community outrage, especially since you were starting from fourth edition where it was an army that just wasn't very good to now becoming an army that was like, insanely oppressive towards people? Like, how did you handle that outrage? Um, well, first of all, that was as, as going up to the codex release, that was like my biggest fear. 
Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I said yeah. this many times in podcasts. I was like, my biggest fear is that the codex is going to be crazy good and then everybody's going to play it. I stopped playing Drukari. I played Black Templars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, understandable. <laughs> and, and, and then yeah. their codex came out and you're like, oh, yeah. And then, you know, that was, they weren't like crazy. They weren't as crazy yeah, yeah. as Drukari. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like every once in a while I'd play Drukari if I was like practicing for Team Canada or, you know, like doing some like hard, like competitive stuff. Of course, I took my Dark Eldar because I was going to a tournament and just playing. And at the end of the day, I have no shame. I've been playing Dark Eldar for 15 years. If yeah. my codex is good for like, what was it, eight months? Yeah. Sure. You know, eight <laughs> months out of 15 years, I'll take it right mm-hmm. um and you know i feel like it's kind of morphed to a very healthy book at least right now in the current situation i feel it has mm-hmm. strengths but it's not like overpowering mm-hmm. but it was um it was hard like i made i even made like this whole video about talking about how i felt guilty for playing like the faction that i love so much yeah because it was and tau players must feel the same even some like dedicated custodians players must feel that right now where oh, they're yeah. like Everybody is like judging me for playing the faction that I've literally had in my collection forever. And yeah, but it does feel that. Like when you show up to it, like I played a lot of events or games where I'd show up, I'd have my list that wasn't really that different from lists I had run before the Codex. But now it was just amped up to like. Like a thousand. Yeah. Yeah, it was just crazy. And, you know, you just like move, they'd have one turn. And then you'd murder their whole army. And that was literally like how it worked. And it, it depressed people. And uh, so it, was, it wasn't easy to kind of, you know, you, you, I felt like I had to be on the same page with my opponent. If it was a highly competitive event, they expected to see Drukari there. And I would play like full Drukari. But if it was like pickup games or games with friends, like I rarely used my Drukari. Or I played like games with like old beasts. Or something like just random silly units that you never see. Mm-hmm. And and uh, something that like is actually pretty interesting about this is that uh, usually when you look at something where something is very strong, you need to get practice with them, at, like you know, as much as possible. But because this is an army that you've been playing since fourth edition, it comes back to what you were saying before, where you have so much knowledge of this army already and the way that they play that like you really don't need that much practice with that army because it's a comfort pick. And so, you know, you're, you, you specifically are able to play these other armies, you know, with your friends and not have to practice so, so much with this Drukari army. Right. Is, is that mm-hmm. like something that makes sense for you? Or well, like, and that's, yeah. and that's the same with other factions as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you yeah, know, that's yeah. not just, that doesn't just apply to me, but it applies to anybody out there who has played the same faction forever. Yeah, exactly. I find that sometimes some of the most challenging games at tournaments are against people who have a hobby collection of a faction they've been playing for 20 years. And they literally bring this, bring this hodgepodge or what looks like a hodgepodge army to an event, right? Yeah. And you go up against it and it's got like one of everything from the codex and a random warlord trait and, a ran- and they just play yeah. it really, really well. Because they've just been playing that faction forever. And it's not like the quote-unquote meta choice that you would expect from, you know, reading articles and looking at BCP and, like, going on to, like, the, the Meta Mondays and all that stuff, right? So it's, um, you know, it's the same with any faction, I find. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, uh, well, well, um, 
take, taking just like taking an army that you're just very very comfortable with and bringing it up to the table like it's one of the reasons why I know that I shouldn't be afraid of them um you know quote unquote right I shouldn't be afraid of this army um but like whenever I see something like chaos space marines at the table I get afraid because I have no idea what they do and like they'll just start pulling stuff out of their butt like this has the mark of slash yeah. and I'm just like I don't know what that means and like they'll mm-hmm. just pull out some crazy combos that you just don't see anywhere because they're so in yeah. love with this faction and i think that that's so cool yeah it is overwhelming as well because you know some factions have some kick to them still but you need to like dig through like five publication books to like pull out the best and that's a topic for a whole other conversation but like you yeah, know, yeah yeah you know but like i'm having i'm playing a live stream tomorrow um and i decided to play admec i'm gonna play admec and I decided, you know what would be fun? I'm going to play Metallica, and I'm going to add a Raven Knight to the Metallica list so that I can give it canticles, because then you can give mm-hmm. it canticles, you can heal it. Like, there's a whole bunch of cool rules interactions, but I'm looking at a stack of five books to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I'm like, anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're, dude, you're talking to someone that plays Tyranids, man. Like, right now, we have more books that we have to use than Admech. So and a White like, Dwarf. And a White Dwarf, yeah. Don't you can't you can't you can't scratch that and like even playing Harlequins I have to use a white dwarf and I'm just like man maybe I should just get a subscription to to white dwarf at this point because all my rules keep coming out in it uh so yeah. Uh, you know, Drukari was very polarizing when it came out. However, now now Drukari has been hit with like with, with nerfs multiple times, but still survived off of those nerfs. Like, what do you think mm-hmm. this was? Uh, why why do you think that happened? Like, what what was uh what was that? Uh, the reasoning behind that and are you happy about that being uh, a, a thing uh so why the wh- your question is why is why is, why, why, ha- why has it survived yeah all these multiple nerfs yeah and still um, well, been a top performing faction two i think it's there's a variety of reasons number one i feel like the new drukari codex is a very healthy internally balanced book so mm-hmm. what happened is, and one of the reasons they had so many nerfs was because they kept on nerfing things, but then all the Drukari players just moved to another of the good options in the book and then just yeah. overused that option. So first it was like liquefy guns, and then everybody went to like minus one damage, Talos and Grotesques, and then, mm-hmm. you know, or like Cult of Strife Witches, and then they like nuked the witches, and then Rax became a thing. <laughs> and then, you know, so it's, I feel like because of the fact that they made such a... It's like three codexes in one, and I think that's one of the biggest reasons, is it's hard to balance all three factions in that book together without making... like And, and all of the options are quite good. It just shows you how much they were able to kind of tweak it, and it still has some life in it, right? Um, you know, the Strife supplement is still incredibly powerful for which cult units. The, the addition of now Harlequins, being able to like put in Harlequins to a Drukari attachment and stay Drukari is incredible, uh, considering how powerful Harlequins are. Um, but uh, like from a meta standpoint, but I find it's, it's because just Dark Eldar played the game of 9th edition really well. Yeah, yeah. We're fast, we're maneuverable, we can score points and deny our opponent points. So we play the primary decently. We play the secondary game decently. We have one of the best secondaries in the game with Herd the Prey, like, uh, you know, mathematically speaking. And, 
and we play the missions well. And and with mm-hmm. with the with the advent of like player optimized terrain or like people actually using better terrain at events like obscuring and larger ruins and things like that, we have an army that almost flies everywhere. So it doesn't really require a lot of like linear movement avenues. And it can fly over things and it advances and charges and it's super fast and there's a bunch of little obsec units. And so we just play the mission as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's it's a very um I, and I know that this sounds weird to say, but it's a very balanced codex, right? Like it's very yeah. in depth. It's very uh there, there's so much that you can uh dig into with that codex, and I think that that's the biggest uh, 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 strength that the Jakari Codex has, and uh, I would even go on to say things like even Death Guard. Death Guard has a great codex. It's very, very uh, balanced. It's very in depth, and it's fluffy too. And uh, I, I recently just started thinking about this as well. That like you know, GW. I know that a lot of people don't like how GW is balancing the game, and I understand that. And you know, to a degree, I feel like that they are correct. However. I think that the codexes that they're recently coming out with feels great for the person that's playing it, like that's playing these codexes because it really speaks to the army nowadays, right? Yeah, the, they are doing a great job capturing mm-hmm. the feeling of the fact. Yeah, yeah, like even Tau. Yeah. Tau feels great. Like it feels like yeah. how it should be. It playing. feels like Tau. Yeah. yeah, it feels like Tau. Drukari feels like Drukari. Eldar, playing Eldar feels like Eldar, like Croftworld. Um, you know, Death Guard definitely feels like a Death Guard should be, you know, slow, yeah. methodical, tough, you know, um, and they've been nailing that aspect of it. Yeah. Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. It's just something that I think is very interesting. Um, talking about something uh, or talking about having an army or a codex that is very balanced. Grey Knights, for example, was an army with pretty much like two data sheets that really helped push the army towards that top tier level but after getting some nerfs uh you know they've been knocked down uh, a peg or two they're still strong but they got knocked down a peg or two because you know they nerfed the two data sheets that were really good for the army how do you feel about mm-hmm. armies with codices that aren't uh you know like as in-depth as the jakari book um well it's, it's like power is power but unless you have flexibility in the builds that power stagnates. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's like for example with Harlequins, you know, they are very powerful, but they have two builds or three builds. Mm-hmm. So as a as a player, I can I can assume to run into one of three builds when I play against Harlequins. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot easier for me to build tools into my list to target three builds. You know, one of the reasons you know custodians are very strong, but you're only really seeing a couple of builds. With custodians, you got dreadnoughts, yeah. you got bikes, yeah. you got like um, Sagittarium spam. If you play on TTS, because nobody <laughs> owns twenty-five Sagittarium, <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know. But you like flexibility is it's more key. powerful in the long run, yeah. right? And and that's the thing. I do feel like armies like Grey Knights have a lot of flexibility. They they have the potential to be flexible, but I feel like the creativity of list building went to a certain extent and the online like the online pundits right basically just said hey this is what gray knight is everybody ran that and then when that wasn't gray knight everybody went silent and there hasn't really been any adaptation into Mm -hmm. finding something that works with gray knights anymore 
right? It's been very like, oh, that doesn't work anymore. Okay, let's move on to the next thing. You know, custodies, everybody. So, you know, I feel like it's, it's a combination of things. Even with Drukari, you know, um, with Drukari, you've seen like a cycle, you know, it's like MSU builds and it was like big blobs of stuff. Then it's now kind of cycle back to MSU. But I feel like within the Drukari community, there's a lot of people constantly trying to find things that work within the Drukari book. Um, and, and so we get like a lot of really creative ideas and we luckily have like the options for like Corsairs now and like Harlequin, like there's lots of different things you can add to that. Whereas with Grey Knights, other than like adding the Inquisition, you know, or Assassins, like there's not not, really much in terms of that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I can definitely see that. I know that a lot of diehard people that play things like Grey Knights, um, you know, they're still constantly trying to find uh ways that you can play them right um Mm -hmm. it's just that like something like uh nemesis dread knights which were just like point for point just like so efficient and having that be nerfed along with interceptors that were just so good um having those two units be nerfed it's like it it, it kind of hurts but then when you compare that with other codices that have like you know so many different options right uh like jukari you guys went from what playing what you said um raider spam in the beginning you guys even had like a small venom spam thing you guys had uh, uh artists of flesh i i believe that's what it was called right for was, uh, dark techno monster was first dark techno liquefiers yeah 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 and the chronos and then it was yeah. a mix so with like artists of the flesh and yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so it's like all these crazy different builds that you can do um i just find that it's very interesting that uh that codex was so in-depth as much as people said that it was broken um it's just that it's like very balanced and i feel like that's the reason why it was so strong it was i feel like that was a bit of a shame because there was so much Mm. like fun stuff in the drukari codex Mm. like the different obsessions like the the ones Mm. that you could build like a build a bear obsessions right or you know the actual like like about they would the the good ones were like oh outshun all of the other really fun ones so much that you only really saw those big three strife you know yeah. dark techno monster black heart you know that sort of thing so mm-hmm. and it is a shame but it's nice that things have been kind of like i like it when they tone down things because now people are like experimenting a bit with it as yeah. well which yeah. is cool yeah okay cool 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 uh after that uh with the recent release of codexes or i'm sorry with the recent releases of uh custodes and tau uh how have you been trying to deal with those guys playing with your Jakari book? Uh, so I have two modes, well, multiple modes of playing, but mm-hmm. two modes of playing competitively. Like I have like, I play narrative and crusade stuff. I really enjoy that. And that's like a completely different ball game, even when you're playing against custodies oh, or, yeah. or Tau. Yeah, it's completely different. Um, but competitively speaking, there's two ways that I prepare for events. I prepare for events at the team level because as a member of the Canadian national team, um, and uh, as a singles player, where because at the national level there's eight players, and each codex can only be used once. Yeah, yeah. Which means I don't really get access to Harlequins and Eldar right now because they're a good book. So mm-hmm. if you know, we probably want to have a player that is playing Harlequins and Eldar because they're in the same codex. Um, so I can't really build around that. At the same time, at a team event level, I can sort of rely on my team to build into matchups that are bad for Dark Eldar. Like, historically, Dark Eldar don't like playing against Tau 
because smart missile systems will kill everything in your army. Airburst oh, yeah. fragmentation projectors will kill, kill every Drupari thing yeah. in your army. So if if at all possible in a in a team based environment, I don't have to play against that unless it's like the worst case scenario, in which case, well, you I fall you know, on I'm sword gonna, and yeah, I'm fall on sword and take it for the yeah. team. Um, but in a singles environment, what I've done is um, it, I've kind of like put in a couple of things in my Drukhar list that help me into the Tau matchup and into the Custodes matchup. And that's mainly being able to build into the, to the last, um, right? So number one, if you like Harlequins, I highly recommend you start add a couple of, uh, like a patrol worth into your Drukhari. Mm-hmm. They give you access to the, the Shadow Seer, which then gives you access to something like Psychic Interrogation as a secondary or the Void Weavers, which are great to the last choice, yeah. Yeah. Um, which, you know, much better than like a Ravager, for example. Um, however, I have been using Hemoxites. I think they're a great tool to use. That's the upgraded racks that you get with an upgraded homunculus. I've been using a Master homunculus with the uh, Twisted Animator, so he brings back the Hemoxites. Great for backfield objective holding. Um, I do give them a bunch of upgrades so they become one of my to the last targets when I'm playing a mono faction. Um, and then you can hide them and they will survive a couple of rounds of shooting. That, uh, uh, especially for Madeline's site. So from for people that don't know uh, the stat lines for a hemazite, like can you describe what makes them so good in your eyes to bring into your list? Yeah, so uh, so Rax are a unit that is it's eight points a model. They have a six they have power from pain, so six of the marble save. They are toughness five. Right. Okay. And when, when within, sorry, toughness four, but when within six inches of a homunculus, they become toughness five. Really so they're like a, a troop, right? So when you upgrade them to hemoxites, you have to buy a 15 point upgrade for your homunculus or 20 point upgrade for the homunculus, sorry. Um, and then you pay two points per rack. So they're now 10 points a model. And it gives them, I believe, uh, an extra leadership, I think. And then you've got their invulnerable save is. In, Proved by one, so they have a five-up invul. Now, anybody who doesn't know, like, or who knows math, knows that going from a six-up in like save to a five-up save like doubles your survivability just there. Yeah, yeah. and you know they continue to be uh, toughness four slash five, and they get to ignore the first failed save every phase. Oh, okay. So they're just like incredibly tanky for your, their points costs, right? Like they're Correct. for ten points, you Correct. bring uh, what? It's a squad of ten. Is the minimum? So eight, yeah, it's maximum 10. So 5 oh, to 10. Okay. Bring a squad of 10. You know, the mm-hmm. T5, they have a 5 up. And then they also have a 5 up feel no pain on top of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you are you have a 5 up, 5 up with 10, 10 guys there. And uh, the homunculus can bring back D3 every command phase with okay. the Warlord trait. All right, all right. So if you keep them behind line of sight, and you know, you have to put some dedicated shooting to take them out right and a lot of the times it's not easy to get everything you need in range and you can't just like sporadically shoot at them with a little bit here a little bit there because then you just won't kill them yeah and with power from pain as soon as you hit that fourth turn plus one to your power from pain and vulnerable save they go to a four up in vulnerable save so they become a four up involve five of feeling pain ignore the first failed save every phase so at that point they become very very tough to take down Okay, and you've been saying that that's the reason why you've been taking them for Custodes and Tau, is just because of their pure resilience and how cheap they are? Against Tau, they're great because of the out-of-line-of-sight shooting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the, they're 10 strong, so they're not getting full blasted, 
Um, you know, their high toughness, which really helps against a lot of the uh, a lot of the outline sight shooting from the Tau. And um, and you and the, and you have to dedicate a lot of shooting into them because they've got the feel no pain and the better invulnerable save. Yeah. And if your opponent doesn't deal with them quickly, then they become almost impossible to kill. Mm-hmm. Um, like later in the game. Yeah, and then when but, it comes to custodes, it's just because it's harder for them to get to that backline, right? Is that is that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like into custodes, most custodes have been running a lot of like missiles, right? Mm-hmm. And I've been running prophets of the flesh. Which means that if you're strength um, seven or less into any of my cult uh, coven stuff, you can never move wound me on better than a four plus. They're like mini transhuman, mm-hmm. uh, which means that like bikes and stuff go in and they're hitting on twos, but then they're only wounding them on fours, which then means that they will survive more than likely and yeah. gives me a chance to counter counteract what the you know what the custodians have sent into my backline. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, what, yeah. what what other ways have you been dealing with them? Uh, so uh, the core of the Archon has been one of my favorite units to use right now. Oh yeah, those are the that snake in... people, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah, okay. it's a uh, it's a single unit that can be made up of four different types of model. So you have the slit, which are the snake, uh, the snakes. They're the most popular. Um, you have the urgles, which are like little dog style creatures. And then you have, I take a Lamian in there. And you can have up to four of each model in the unit. So the cord I run is four Slith, four Urgle, and a single Lamian. Because the Lamian gives them leadership eight, uh, plus Black Hearts leadership nine. Um, this unit is 152 points. It's pretty cheap. It is 27 wounds. And they have a five-up feeling of pain as well with three wounds on each model, essentially. Um, which makes multiple damage weapons very unreliable. They're also Cabala Black Heart, which means they get their extra invulnerable save starting on turn three. So then they would have a five-up involved with a five-up feeling of pain with three wounds apiece. And the amount of times that this unit just soaks up just entire turns worth of my opponent's like attention is just worth its weight in gold mm-hmm. for 150 points too like that's that's incredible it is incredible cheap. yeah that's yeah. Really, really good it's one of the best units point for point that you can find it also has a bodyguard mm-hmm. rule while you have any snake models in there which gives you a lot of play into holding objectives in the open with like an archon you know um by hiding the unit by the wall they do yeah wow man that's so good for 150 points that's mm-hmm. that's nasty. I love that. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's one of the secret sources, and they can mm-hmm. advance and charge, and they have a lot of attacks. Like the four Urgles, when you charge, have twenty four strength four attacks. Oh. They hit on twos. Rule. <laughs> that is hilarious. Oh, yeah. That's nasty. Oh yeah, they will they will murder stuff. Yeah. They're so good. Yeah. I love them so much. So, uh, um, oh, go ahead. Sorry. And then the last item that I've been using. Is I've uh, put back in a unit of Trueborn into my list, which is something I've taken out for a while. But uh, having another expensive unit that can sit in a raider in the backfield and just kind of take pot shots and stuff and not have to commit allows me to use more aggressive units like my Incubi and my Helions to really go and do damage mm-hmm. while they sort of like take the midboard. Yeah, I do like that Hellions became more of a thing now with Jakari. Like a lot of people are starting to take them a lot more now. Um, mm-hmm. They're 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 good units. Like they're really cool. 
Uh, yeah. er- earlier, you started talking about uh, Heard the Prey and, you know, how Heard the Prey is like a very, very strong secondary. Um, do you still take that going into things like Custodes and Tau where they're so resilient sometimes and it's like hard to remove them from different table quarters? Um, not against Custodes. Yeah, against Custodes, I rarely take Stranglehold or Heard the Prey. I usually take Engage. Because I want to be as far away from the custodians as humanly possible. Um, And I don't want to have to fight them unless I want to fight them. And I don't want to be forced to fight them. Like the worst thing you can do with that secondary is take it against someone who has like characters that can hide and that are hard to get to. And Custodes characters are very hard to like kill. So you literally get a Custodes player that goes, oh, is this the middle of the table? And there's four quarters here. I could put one character in the middle of the table, one in each quarter, mm-hmm. and then you just don't get any hurt the prey points ever. Yeah, so you have to be, yeah, <laughs> have to be very yeah. careful with that. Yeah. yeah. And then also with Engage, what you're doing, uh, what, what I guess what you're doing, or what uh, is uh, you're moving them further away from these objectives with such an elite army, right? So you're kind of playing the board a little bit where you're putting like units out on like weird areas where they have to, mm-hmm. you know, get rid of them yeah. and position, right? Yeah, I love um, when I'm playing with the Dark Eldar. I love playing angles on the table. Like, I try and come at my opponent from as many different angles as possible and try and split them up as much as possible. And a lot of the times that allows me to get local superiority in an area of the board and, like, then converge on, like, a smaller 200 point unit, but with, like, 600 points of my army. Yeah. Right. And then murder it. And yeah. then, <laughs> and then, like, pick another unit that's isolated and then go for that one. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, um, yeah. So you're not choosing herd the prey against custodes, but you still feel like it's comfortable to choose again to Tau, even though they can be so tanky with their crisis suits. I can kill a unit of crisis suits. Mm-hmm. You know, like my list will kill a full tank, like buffed unit of crisis suits um, with like the tools that I have. It's just a matter of uh, it. Just it's just a matter of the deployment style, really. Yeah. Um, so. You know, a lot of the times against Tau, I'd probably take something like Stranglehold or Engage instead of Herd the Prey, just because they can be really annoying. And, like, sometimes I want to hide more than fight. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, if you want them to come to you, Herd the Prey is a great choice. Because, yeah. But a lot of the times, Tau players are coming to you anyway. So you want to try and do something else, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a, another thing that's really strong about Jakari that a lot of people don't recognize is that their secondaries are so flexible. Like you can always choose different secondaries uh, with this army and still do incredibly well just because they do kind of like what you said, you know, they play the mission really well. So you're able to have all this flexibility, whereas you look at another army where it's like, well, I can only use these two secondaries. If I can't score it on these two secondaries, then my entire game plan kind of crumbles apart. But Drakari is different because you have heard the prey, right? Which is a good secondary. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you can flip flop between other ones. Yeah. It's good to have options. Um, I feel like adding in something like, you know, the Harlequin Patrol all of a sudden opens up, like, uh, the Psychic Secondary Tree, which I think is incredibly powerful and useful. Um, You know, that Shadow Seer gives you access to Psychic Interrogation, you know, a variety of different ones. Um, And it's always good to have those options as a Drakari player, because a lot of times you're going for, you know, Herd the Prey, Engage, or Strangle, depending on who you're playing against. Then on the flip side, you're taking either banners or retrieve data or maybe teleport hummers, depending on what you want. But usually retrieve Nakamund. 
And then, and this is from the GT 2022 pack. Yeah. Um, uh, and then the third one is really the up in the air one. It's one of the reasons I've built to the last into my list because I find I'm taking it a lot and my initial lists had the wrong units to do it with, which was like my Hellions. <laughs> and I want to like send them forward to get like murdered. Mm. So, um, uh, so now I feel like the list is a lot stronger being able to rely on that secondary. But then adding in like Harlequins would give you access to that whole secondary psychic tree and not have to rely on your opponent's list to get points which I think is a huge part of playing Drukari properly, yeah. is you want to take the agency away from your opponent. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want my opponent to have control over how I score my points. I want to be able to control how I score my points in the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, that that's another reason why I really like To The Last also and building for To The Last is just because you just yeah. add more flexibility to your army, right? Like if you're like, oh, there's no way that you're going to kill this unit. Absolutely no way. Then it's just free 15 points and it's great. Um, mm-hmm. so what's it like playing Drukari into less strong armies? We touched upon this like a little bit, but how did you go about playing Drukari into less strong armies? And did you pull a lot of your punches? How do you deal with people who aren't basically having a fun time playing against your Drukari army? Uh, that's a social contract question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if it, it depends, like if I'm going to a tournament mm-hmm. and I play and I, get paired up on round one against somebody who's playing chaos space marines yeah and they're you know they just started playing chaos space marines and they like their and yeah i'm going to i always give my opponent the respect that i'm going to assume that they play as well as i do or as well as like nick Nadavadi does or as well as you know as well yeah, as yeah. these top players do so mm-hmm. i'm going to deploy well i'm going to pick the right secondaries i'm not going to like pull punches in that sense and then you can usually what happens is you play one or two turns and you can tell the games like like going in one way or another it's going one way or another and at that point it's more about making sure that uh, you teach the opponent like the person you're playing with something like go through things give them like advice on whatever like how to move or like picking targets or and that's only if they want it of course but you know at the same time it's it's about maybe I don't know challenge their warlord to single combat and run your archon up the middle of the board and like try and get into combat with Lucius or whatever mm-hmm. you know and like you know and have like a one on one hand to hand combat that has no relevancy with scoring points in the game but it's more of a cinematic moment. Um, but then if you're like if you're a top like if you're at the top of an event you're playing the other person who's going three and zero or four and zero or whatever. And they're playing Chaos Space Marines. Like, well, they're a good, you know, they made it there. You know, I'm not going to pull punches yeah, yeah, at that yeah, point. Yeah. You know, they might not enjoy that they have to play against Rukari in the final round, but they know what they signed up for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I definitely understand. Um, uh, on the contrast, if you're playing for fun, like with friends, like, you know, I don't know, I, it, it, like I'll play random stuff. I'll take... Like, I played a game with the height of Drukari power where I literally rolled for everything. I rolled for my world traits. I rolled for my relic. I rolled for my obsessions. Like, I literally rolled <laughs> for my secondaries. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I rolled for everything. Just to be like, well, I've got a crazy good book. I'm just going to have no control and see what I can make with it, right? Mm-hmm. And challenge myself. That sounds cool. I, I like that idea of just like, you know, 
it's like you you understand that you have a strong codex, but you're still uh, trying to find a way to still play an army that you really enjoy against somebody. Um, but just like taking like, you know, small, uh, pulling your punches just like a little bit, depending on how you're feeling with your social contract, right? Yeah. So about that social contract, right? If mm-hmm. your opponent's not having fun, mm-hmm. right? Then they're going to shake hands with you. You know what I mean? And that's the thing. When Like, don't ever force somebody to play a game they don't want to play. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if they don't want to play, like, you can't make them play that game. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and a lot of the times people get invested and they get frustrated when, you know, it doesn't go their way or they feel they have no way of winning or, you know, or, or whatnot. And that can be frustrating. And as a person who's playing a very, like, a good army, it can feel really, like... It can feel really bad, like when your friends around you just like constantly like poop all over you for playing this good faction, and even you know, and then you like you haven't even rolled a single dice, and they they've already been like talking for forty five minutes about how busted your army is. Yeah. You haven't even started the game. You know, it can be really like psychologically like just a weight. You know what I mean? And it's 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 not fun. And you know, I've been there, and I know people who are there right now with town custodies. And it's not easy to kind of try and be like a, that uplifting, being like, it's, you haven't even rolled a, a dice yet. You have no idea how this game is going to go. And if you, if you say that you have no chance, then you have no chance. It's, all, it's that mentality is like so important in this game. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I will, like, I will die on that hill. Yeah, because like for all you know, I could just like do some dumb stuff, and you don't even know what I was gonna do. Like I could just. You have no idea. Yeah, yeah. Like I've had, I've had games where I'm like, oh, this raider's gonna die. Like ten last cannons later, how is this raider still alive? Yeah. Like it, you have <laughs> no idea what's gonna happen in the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um. So, uh, we're we're heading towards the end of this uh episode, but. What are some new codexes that you're most afraid of for Jakari that are coming up soon? You know, we still have a couple more codexes in the bank that are going to be releasing. Which ones are you the most afraid of? Well, Tau's historically the one I'm most afraid of because of the fact that they have, like, all the right tools to kill every model in my army. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that's probably the toughest one for me. Eldar, as soon as people start going back to the Adeline of Sight Night Spinner and like and like little platform Adeline of Sight shooting, that's probably one of the ones I'm the lists I'm more terrified of seeing. I can play custodies and harlequins all night long, but if you can sit behind a wall and kill all my raiders and my venoms, I can't hide from you. That's terrifying. Yeah. Um and then of course I'm I I'd like to say Tyranids, but Tyranids are always a good fight, and I really enjoy playing against Tyranids. But I will say, when knights come out, whenever that is, I'm very curious to see how that works. Because historically, Dark Lances just are terrible against knights. Yeah. Because, you know, they have invul saves, you 50-50 shot of wounding them on average, and, like, and if they make their saves, like, they just table you. You know what I mean? And if they, they change the mechanic for knights to be able to hold objectives, kind of like what they did with the war graves, or who knows, they might change that in the book. I have no idea. Um, if they can play the mission, and then they're still really hard to kill and take down, and they can still table you really fast, I feel like that's a tough matchup for Drukari sometimes. Yeah, I can see that. 
So for people that want to start off Jakari, like what do you, what do you recommend them getting? So this this is like actually a two part question. So there's people who starting off with Jakari. What do you recommend them getting? This is like imagine somebody that's just like brand spanking new into the game, right? And they're like, I like Jakari. They look cool. I like their aesthetic. What do you recommend mm-hmm. getting for them? And then for the people that want to be more competitive, what do you recommend for them? And those are people that have been playing Jakari for a little bit and want to try to be more competitive with them. What do you recommend? That's a great question. Um, so the start collecting box is fantastic. Mm-hmm. If you can go into like an a game store that is like an old hole in the wall and like, you know, it's like a little cave and yeah, not yeah. very many people go into it. And you can find one of the old start collecting boxes. Those are the best. The one with like the Raider and the Cabalite Warriors and stuff. Like that was a fantastic start collecting box. Um, so that's a great place to start. Ideally, like with any faction, you have to look at it and say, am I going to enjoy building this and painting it? Yeah. Right. If it looks cool, that's what I would go with. I'd say, if it looks cool, just buy it. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like you do need to make sure you have an HQ of some sort. Like you have to pick either you want to go Cabal, Witch, Cult, or Coven. Sure. You can eventually pick all three. But um, uh, the Cabal is usually the more user-friendly in the sense that it's more readily available. Uh, and then just make sure you have some troops, have some transports, and have some firepower, whether it's like a Ravager or some Scourge with guns or something like that. There's some really cool models to take from. As for more competitive, I think over time, just try and get a little bit of everything because mm. you never know what's going to be good, especially in the Drukari. There's so many options mm-hmm. that it fluctuates. However, as of right now, I highly recommend you get a couple of Helion units because they're really good. Um, do you, do you want to explain a, why they're so good? So Helions are they're very, very fast, and they, they hit very hard. They're not the most durable unit, but in combination with a supplement that's um, from uh, the Book of Rust, Book 1 of the um, Warzone Octaris, is that right? I think it was Octaris, um, yeah. Yeah, the Octarius Warzone Book 1, Book of Rust, there's a mm-hmm. supplement for the Cult of Strife. And Helions are Witch Cult units, so they get to benefit from all of that Strife stuff. So reroll wound rolls and extra AP and an invulnerable save after they kill something. Um, it gives you something that can hit really hard and trade with some of the tougher units in the game with good damage output and great speed. Um, they're also infantry, which is a fantastic keyword in the game which allows them to do actions and actually perform mission objectives and things like that as well. So they're not just for killing, Yeah, but I just which, which love is, like, I'm sorry. I just want to say, um, which is uh, very, very important, especially for Knackman right now, right? Because mm-hmm. you have so many missions that require you to do these actions and you don't want to waste like things like your characters doing actions. Cause then that's going to turn off their auras, things like that. So having just extra chaff yeah. always helps out. Right. Yeah, you know, um, so you, they can be taken in a squad of 5 to 20. Uh, currently, I'm running two squads of 8. Mm-hmm. But you, um, if you want them to be killy, you need to have it from 8 to 10. If you want to be crazy, you can have one big block of 20. Um, and then hopefully you can hide them behind something. Because <laughs> they're very hard to hide. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, like, um, taking a look at... Um, uh, some of the coven stuff mainly for utility right so uh either prophets of flesh i'm taking it for the vexator mask which is a relic that allows you to pick a unit within three to fight last which is a cool mechanic to have in the game 
Um, so in close combat, you can basically make them not fight until you fight, or essentially. And, uh, and deny Overwatch, which is really useful into like Tau and other yeah. like armies that can like kill you when you charge into them, which is, uh, which is important to be able to shut that down. Um, and then a good like, and building that in combination is really powerful. If you can find some Harlequins and you really want to be competitive, like Harlequins do give you an added layer, uh, mm-hmm. but that's no, that's no longer Drakari. That's like using the allies and then kind of like going into the Croftal book and really yeah. kind of looking at fine tuning, like point for point what you're getting, uh, which is also an option if you really want to get into it. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I absolutely love the Harlequins book. I think it's so much fun. So, yeah, even with, like, Harlequins and stuff, like what you were saying before, um, Harlequins, you could put them in with Drukhari, but like you said, it's just not, it's not Drukhari, Drukhari anymore. Now you're doing allied stuff, you're souping things. Um, it might make Which arguably list. is more yeah. competitive. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah, arguably yeah. you get better tools because it's a newer book and, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. But that's yeah. really up to you and, like, because when you want to play competitively or narratively, you just have to set like parameters and goals for yourself. You know what I mean? Like you, you have to understand, okay, uh, do you just want to win? Uh, does it matter how much you spend to like win? Like, do yeah. you just want to just always take the best thing all the time? Like if that's your goal, then okay, by all means, go do that. Or do you want to try and be the best with something that you can be and then limit yourself within that framework? Uh, which I like to do because I'm mm-hmm. crazy that way. Yeah, and it, it makes you feel uh, just a tad bit, uh, a, a tad bit feeling of accomplishment, right? Like it's just like, yeah, I did that, and I did it without uh, taking like the strongest thing. And it, there's there's nothing that really beats that, right? When you are the underdog mm-hmm. and you're able to just like pull one out on something that's not supposed that you're not supposed to win against, it always feels mm-hmm. good, right? All right, yeah. cool. So. Uh, that's going to be it for this episode. It was very, very insightful listening to you and uh, seeing, like, kind of just picking your brain on how you feel about Jakari as of right now comparatively to what it was before. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you, man? Well, I do YouTube uh, videos. So you can find me at youtube.com slash scarredcast. And, uh, yeah, that's S-K-A-R-E-D-C-A-S-T on YouTube. I do bow reports. I do some meta analysis. I do a whole bunch of stuff, and then all the links to like Facebook, Patreon, Instagram, Twitter is all on there. So I, yeah. I hope to see you there and leave me a comment and let me know you pop by. Yeah, and if you guys are just listening to this podcast, you're not watching the video. You guys won't notice this, but he's even wearing a shirt that says Cardcast. Look at that, the old school one. Right Boom. There. Boom. Is that is that <laughs> merch available? Can people buy that? Uh, not this one, but the other one. The okay. newer one. Yeah. The newer one that looks cooler that has the logo on it. This yeah. is like old school. I made this like <laughs> 10 years ago. Old. You can feel you can feel the old school on it. This is this it. is one of these t-shirts that like that you wear and you're like, it's 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 fit in my body for a long time. Yeah. So it's like perfectly just, you know, it's comfortable. With you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Alright then. Um as for myself, you can find me over on dice check that's youtube.com forward slash dice check all that good stuff and yeah thank you guys for watching this episode or listening to this episode of chapter tactics and we'll see you guys on the next episode bye everybody